Today is Wednesday, May the 25th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And on today's show, I talk last night's 2-1 to loss to the Florida Gators as South Carolina is eliminated from the SEC tournament, effectively ending the 2022 Yardcocks baseball season. Guys, I'll give my full thoughts breakdown of the game also, we'll talk TSUS tourney MVP and just look ahead to what's next for this South Carolina baseball program over the next couple of weeks and months as well. Also, guys, we got a fantastic conversation, a great interview with former Gamecocks quarterback Reed McCullum as he joined me to detail his illustrious career in Garnet and Black. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by the Spurs Up Show Store. Guys, TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet be sure to check us out for all of your favorite collections including beamer ball beamer rattler 22 clem sucks yard cox baseball shane storm much much more there as well guys we have got everything you need to satisfy your game cox merchandise needs from t-shirts tank tops long sleeves pullovers hoodies koozies flag stickers you name it we got it it's over at tsus.store that's tsus.store the best game Cox merchandise on the internet. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. in sports and in life we set our expectations to a place where we know most likely a certain outcome is inevitable and we know what to expect and we know most likely what we will have to endure but that doesn't make it any easier 
when you are faced with that harsh reality. And I know that is how we all feel sitting here today on this Wednesday due to the events that took place last night in Hoover, Alabama. We grieve together those of us who love this Gamecocks baseball program dearly. We grieve together. We grieve together. Folks, happy Wednesday, TGIF. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always, and we have got a lot to get into. I hope the show does find you. I don't matter where you are, what you're doing, guys. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Appreciate you all tuning in, and I appreciate your love and support as well. Before we dive into everything, just a couple quick reminders. Guys, of course, tonight we are live at Tin Roof, 6 to 8. Taking your questions, comments, of course, $3 drafts, $3 rumple, $3 fireball as well. Great food, great people, great time. Again, guys, would love to have you out at Tin Roof in the Vista. We'll have the college baseball on as well. The SEC tournament will be on all the TVs there at Tin Roof. Uh, But again, guys, would love to have you out. Also, if you cannot be there in person, we will stream it live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. You know the drill. Taking your questions, comments. But again, really excited to get back out to Tin Roof tonight. Also, guys, I don't know if you realize this, but tomorrow, literally tomorrow, is 100 days until Gamecocks football kicks off at Williams-Brice Stadium and for the 2022 football season. Thinking we're going to have some special content tomorrow to celebrate 100 days. Of course, guys, tomorrow we will start our 100 days to kick off countdown on social media, which we'll post every single day, just counting down the days until toe meets leather. Uh, But again, just stay tuned for maybe some special content coming tomorrow, like I said, to again celebrate 100 days until kick. Uh, And also, guys, be sure to stay tuned. Again, guys, let me say, Thank you so much for the love and support with SEC Unfiltered. You guys uh, following the accounts, listening to the podcast. It has truly been incredible early on, the support that we have felt. Be sure to stay tuned if you are a fan of SEC baseball, college baseball in general. Stay tuned to that account because yours truly is going to continue to cover the SEC tournament and talk SEC baseball and, and rock and roll with that, of course, talking SEC football and just SEC sports in general as well. And I will keep you guys updated when we'll drop the next podcast and more content and all that good stuff. Guys, let's talk about it. As you can probably tell, I, I probably sound exhausted. It is literally 12.30 a.m. right now because I was watching the game South Carolina against Florida. Uh, I was at a friend's house came home and had been on social media scrolling ever since, just looking at all the comments and all the commentary and everything uh, after the dust has settled in the ball game. But, of course, Gamecocks falling to Florida 2-1 to one, um, in 10 innings. And I'm not just exhausted physically. I'm exhausted emotionally because what has been a bit of a nightmare season has finally come to an end. And that game last night, man, did it ever just encapsulate everything with this season. You know, even when, guys, even when South Carolina tied the game up in the top of the ninth, even when we tied it up, I knew after we didn't score a second run, I knew we're going to find some way to blow this. Like, Like, this is going to end poorly. 
because it has all season. Like we have seen this movie time and time and time again. And unfortunately, the ship still sinks. And it was just the same old, same old story, especially swinging the bat. You know, Brandon Sproach shuts you down. You finish with just four hits in the game. And, and hey, kudos to this team for fighting and battling and, and getting this game to extra innings. <laughs> but then in just in just such... Typical fashion for this season. And again, everything that it was, you could argue the final play of the game and and the way that it ended encapsulated this season and and the struggles and the frustration behind it all. With the play, Evan Stone makes a beautiful throw. We we get our hopes up. You know, I'm sitting there. I'm literally in my best friend's room. my, My best friend's living room. Right in my buddy's living room, jumping for joy, thinking we just threw the guy out. We're going to the 11th. We still got a shot. Only to moments later realize we dropped the ball and I effectively crumbled to the floor in agony. That was this season in a nutshell. That was this season. In a nutshell. And I feel like what last night guys also sort of just showed and proved was the the flaws and the dysfunction, the true dysfunction of this ball club and, and this group as a whole. Because I still think this, like you went 13 and 17 in SEC play. Not good enough. And you are one and done in the SEC tournament. Not what we hoped for. But if that were the only thing from this season, right? And you wanted to cite the injuries of the pitching staff, like I almost, almost could have lived with that. But where last night really showed the dysfunction of this group and the the deficiencies and the disconnect. I I go back to the midweek games. I, I just, I continue to go back and guys on the Friday show, Friday podcast, we'll probably do a full uh, season review, uh, probably award show, but a, a season grade show, stuff like that. We're going to start doing season recap content because the season's over, right? Season's over. South Carolina baseball finishes with a losing record. For the first time since 1996, by the way, for those who needed a reminder. But we will do all the season recap content looking back at the season that was. But I just can't compute and understand how a team can lock in and play the type of ball game they played in a game like last night against a team like Florida but could not find ways to lock in and beat teams like Xavier, the Citadel, Presbyterian, USC Upstate, Charlotte. It it, it just, it just, again, it just shows the deficiencies and, and the dysfunction 
of this group. Guys, I, I'm bummed. You know, I'm not even going to lie to you. I know many of you are irate and upset, and that's totally fine, right? I, I'm a bit of a whirlwind of emotions. But I will say this, that while I, I know what needs to happen, and I, I feel like whether I like it or not, I have been anointed the conductor of the fire Kingston train, even though I, I was I – was, someone that jumped on much later than others. You know, I'm, I'm probably the loudest voice, the loudest at this point that is calling for a change at the top of Carolina baseball. And that's totally fine. I'll embrace that and lean into that and run with that. If it's, it, it could, because, because it's for the greater good of this program. It's for the greater good, right? But with all that being said, you know, I, I, I selfishly wanted South Carolina baseball to have a cup of coffee in Hoover. I wanted to see this team make some sort of, you know, unexpected run and to at minimum be playing till Thursday because SEC tournament baseball, this, this SEC tournament, it's fun. And selfishly, that's why I'm really excited for the, for the SECU stuff to have a reason to watch this baseball, right? But on the Gamecock side of things, again, I, I really, really selfishly wanted to see this team make a run. And I know there's good ball players on this team, and I, and I feel for guys like Andrew Eister. I mean, if you if you watch his his post-game comments last night. I mean, you, you can't help but but really feel for that kid, right? And everything he's given Carolina baseball. And so, you know, right now, guys, I, I'm I'm and we're gonna have a lot of time to discuss what needs to happen. We all know what needs to happen, but to, to discuss it in detail, to continue to discuss candidates and and who we think should get a look and all that good stuff but I, i'm i'm bummed man I'm, I'm 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 exhausted emotionally from this team um and i and i want to say this by the way i i can't believe it took me this long into the show to say this and i will be sure to i you know i i'll be putting out probably a video or some sort of content on social media but i i do want to say a little bit of a side note thank you all so much again you know what i mean for rocking with us this season because you you guys there's you know and I know many did and it's totally fine but for those who are listening to this show today that rocked with us all season long that tuned in all season long I know it was a tough season obviously it was a very tough season but I want to say thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you again so much to those who continue to rock with our content, to listen to the shows, to tune in the Daily Crow, to support, to engage on social media, to buy merchandise, to support TSUS as a whole, and rock with us this season, again, thank you, man. Because I know it was a long season for us all. I know we're all exhausted. And while on one hand you say, you know, thank God it's over, you know, I'm bummed there's no more count of baseball to watch. I am. To a degree, I am. I'm bummed. I'm bummed. Anytime a season ends, because, you know, you invest so much of your time and your energy and your emotion into it. I mean, guys, 55 games. And we started this journey way back. Second week of February, right? We started this journey way back then. And obviously now it ends earlier than we all would have liked. So, um but a, a tough season, a, a tough season. And again, you finish 27 and 28. I mean, it's flat out inexcusable. It's unacceptable. I, I don't give a damn 
you know, Mark Kingston saying in post game, you know, some seasons everything goes right, some seasons everything goes wrong. Guys, I don't give a flying, you know what, how many injuries you have. I don't care. Things don't go wrong here to the point of finishing 500 or worse. They don't. They don't. That's never going to fly. I, I don't care if if you have nine scholarship players left because of injuries. Guys, <clears throat> it, it, it did, listen, it didn't happen for 26 years. 26 years between below 500 seasons. That, that excuse is not going to work. That excuse is not going to fly. Right? It, it's just not. It's just not. 26 years for 26 years. That didn't happen. So what changed? You're telling me all of a sudden, 26 years later, that many injuries took place where you couldn't go above 500? Miss me with that. Miss me with that. Nope. Miss me with that. I feel for Will Sanders today, and he is our TSUS tourney MVP, and unfortunately our tournament MVP is for one game, so he's basically just the game MVP. But I feel for Will Sanders. Pitched his tail off, man. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one run, no earned run. By the way, that run wasn't even earned he gave up. Three walks and ten strikeouts. The stuff was filthy. The stuff was elite. And I told you guys that you would see a different Will Sanders last night. And it's such a damn shame. You know why? Because I really do feel like one of the reasons we did not see the dominant Will Sanders, you know, Mark Kingston kept citing, not quite as dominant Will Sanders, not quite dominant Will Sanders. And should this matter? Not necessarily. Maybe you could argue, but it does. I don't think we saw dominant Will Sanders because we saw game three Will Sanders. We saw Sunday Will Sanders. You put Will Sanders in a situation like you did last night where it's a big-time ball game, you put him on a Friday night, it's a different dude, man. His game turns up a level. He's a different dude. And I think that's what you saw last night, the best version of him. You you saw a dominant, big-time, maybe future big league arm. I mean, that dude is legit. The breaking stuff was filthy. The changeup was plus. I mean, the fastball had extreme life. It looked like the Will Sanders we all know and love. So, I mean, he's obviously our game MVP, turning MVP, whatever. And it's a damn shame he gets the no decision. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. But this season does mercifully come to an end. And I hate to say that. And that's how you should know, again, it's another indication of changes needed because we should never, never, ever, 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 ever get to the end of a count of baseball season and basically be wishing it to be over. Wishing it to be over. But that's where we are. That's where we are. Guys, we... we <laughs> We, we knew months ago what this team was, right? Those of us, those of you who tune into this show, 
and listen to what I have to say, you knew two months ago, right? We knew. And this season was like dying a slow and painful death. Watching this team bleed out weekend after weekend, midweek after midweek. And it couldn't just end, right? We knew it couldn't just end. Florida beats you 10 nothing. I go on the podcast, I rate, upset, kicking and screaming because you got your brains beat in, right? No. No. It had to end in brutal fashion, as brutal as possible. Because how else could it end? How else? How else? But what was it that bit you last night? The same thing that's bit you all season. The same thing that's bit you the entire Mark Kingston tenure. And that is swinging a stick. Bottom line. Again, you can talk about injuries until you are blue in the face. What injuries, what, what injuries did you deal with in your lineup? I know Brant Belk didn't play last night. I know Josiah Seitler was on a bum ankle, which I'd argue he swung it better when he got hurt. And again, we're, we're going to do plenty of season recap content. I'm not just done talking baseball because we're really going to look back and dissect the season and look back at numbers. And you know what those numbers are going to tell us? They're going to tell us something we already know. That's that South Carolina didn't swing it for shit. Riddle me that. Riddle me that. I don't think he's been asked. I don't know if there's going to be another press conference. But if I had one question, one question to ask Mark Kingston, it'd be, how do you explain the hitting woes? How, how do you explain finishing dead last in the conference? Well, we, we you know, we're, we're depending on freshmen. We play a lot of freshmen. Everybody plays a lot of freshmen, coach. And, and, and you know what, coach? If you didn't want to have to play freshmen, well, if you weren't such a slap dick, Brennan Malone would still be on your roster. He could have played third. You wouldn't have had a freshman at third base. If you weren't such a slap dick, Jeff Heinrich wouldn't have transferred. He could have played second. Wimmer could have played short if you're worried about Braswell's a freshman playing. If you weren't such a slap dick, David Mendham might not have transferred. And Josiah Seitler could have played outfield or, you know, Belt could have stayed out there. Whatever. Take Hornung or Stone off the field. You put yourself in that position. You put yourself in that spot to have to play those freshmen. But even if we're not factoring that in, hey, Noah Myers, another one. Transferred, had a great year for Upstate. We've talked about these guys. You put yourself in that position, coach. So don't talk to me about freshmen. And everybody plays freshmen. You, you play baseball at South Carolina, I don't care what year you are, you ought to produce. Riddle me that. Why were you the worst hitting team in the league again? Riddle me that. The pitching's going to be better, no doubt. The pitching will be better next year. No shit. 
he still can't hit. There's just and there's no excuse. There's nothing Kingston could say that would make any sense. All he's going to do is regurgitate the same bullshit he's been saying. It's the same shit, man, and it's going to continue to be the same shit. Not to look way too far ahead, but, dude, I, I wouldn't doubt with all the arms we have coming back and guys get healthy, and I, I wouldn't shock it. if It wouldn't shock me if we made the postseason next year. Wouldn't shock me. But we're not going to be some elite team because we're not going to be able to hit. Our pitching will carry us to that point. But we're not going to be able to hit, guys. I don't think we'll ever be able to hit with Mark Kingston, ever. And maybe that's a conversation for a different show when I look back at the season and and the the Mark Kingston combo is just going to keep going day after day after day until something happens. But for now, man, I'm 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 exhausted. I, I am. I'm exhausted. That this 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 season just just brutal. I just just a brutal year. I, I mean, and again. Thank goodness it's over, but it, it's it's just it's so disappointing that that's our that's our attitude right now. That's what we have to be. That's what our attitude has to be. We don't have any other choice. We don't have any other choice, you know. And of course, you know, I I always talk. Well, what's next for kind of baseball? I mean, of course, the season's over. That's it. You're done. You're done. That's it. Pull the plug. Season's done. Guys will go and play summer ball. They'll go wherever they're they're. You know, they're, they've, they've, they've set up to play, whether it be Cape Cod, whether it be Coastal Plain, whatever other league. Guys will go play summer ball. But the season's over for County Baseball. And the, 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 the journey to figure out what the hell's got to change, it needs to begin now. I, I know many of you say, well, Chris, we got to get rid of Tanner first. I posed the question, the hypothetical couple of days ago, would you rather get rid of Tanner and keep Kingston of the year? I think you got to get rid of Kingston. I, I'm more than content with keeping Ray Tanner as AD. I'm more than content. I'm more than content. I, I really am. And many of you will hate me for that take. Many of you will hate me for that take, guys. Kingston's got to be gone. Got to be. Got to be gone. Also, let me make this note. Let me make this note. Um, I know this is. I, I wish I'd have said this earlier in the show, but and I, and I haven't seen a lot of it, which is great. You know, talking about the last play of the game and Lee Croy and the the tag and the ball comes out. You know, you should never be in that spot where the game comes down to that play. You should swing it better, but. I feel for Lee Croy trying to make a play. That's it. Ball comes out. He's not trying to drop it. It's a bang-bang play. It's it's an unfortunate – it's a horrible way to lose. And I feel for him as a, as a freshman, you know. Freshman to freshman on that play, stone to Lee Croy. But, um, yeah, I, I would just say if, if, you're, if you're dogging that kid or, or trying to go – you know, that's not, that's not the route to go. That's not the route to go. 
just brutal, just just heartbreaking, just tough, man, just tough. So really tough, <sighs> really tough. So a a, a very long and, and frustrating and disappointing season finally comes to an end. And like I said, we will spend the Friday podcast and I'm sure content on the Daily Crow all week and um, the rest of this week and probably early next week for sure looking back at the season that was and, and you know, we'll, we'll do a postseason award show and we'll, we'll dissect and, and break down some stats and, and, and give grades and all that. And, you know, but uh, just a brutal show. And, and again, guys, I just, I just want to say thank you to each and every single one of you for, for, uh, for rocking with us, for rocking with me, because I, I'll be honest with you, you guys are a, a major part in making it bearable and, and, you know, continuing to motivate me to watch and, and show up to the yard every single day. And, and uh, you know, it, it at least makes it easier to go through. So I, again, I want to say thank you so much. You guys continuing to, to follow along and, and, and listen to the show and Hey, interact with the post-game reactions. And I know I've, I've probably sounded like a broken record a lot this year and said a lot of the same things. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. Somebody commented on the post-game reaction after the game last night and said, you know, Chris has started his his post game a lot this season with, and it's and it's right. I have, I have, I really have, and but uh, just that kind of year, just that kind of year, man. So, anyways, Gamecocks fall to the Gators, officially eliminated from the SEC tournament. The season's officially over. Like I said, guys, though the baseball content will roll on at least for probably the next week or so. Um, we will look back at the season. I'll give my report card. I will do a little postseason award show, recognize the guys that stood out this year. Um, and yeah, really probably start to look forward to the future and just what's going to happen next few weeks will be very, very, very interesting as I'm sure the rumor mill will be hot, but, uh, yeah, other than that guys, again, thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you all for the love and support all season long so again guys we'd love to hear your thoughts on that game last night counter baseball as a whole the future what you think needs to happen uh be sure to dm us leave your comments on social media all that good stuff guys uh that's gonna do it all for me we're gonna dive into this conversation interview former gamecocks quarterback really really excited for you guys to hear this conversation some really great tidbits from this and again guys thank you all so much for tuning in today, your love and support. Truly appreciate it. Hope to see you tonight at 10 Roof. Again, we are live 6 to 8. Be sure to come out. We always have a good time on Wednesday nights at 10 Roof. Um, really, really exciting stuff. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for your love and support. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. And enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks quarterback, Reed McCullum. All right, guys, joining us here on the Spurs Up show, very excited. I've talked before about the unique fraternity that is quarterbacks that played under head coach Steve Spurrier in Gamecocks football heyday. And we are fortunate enough to be joined by one of those gentlemen today. He was at South Carolina from 2008 to 2009, an in-state kid from Somerville. Very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks quarterback Reed McCullum. Reed, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, man, we're glad to be here, man. Go Cox. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Go Cox. Reed, let's go back to the beginning for you, because, again, as we were just talking off air, um, obviously, again, for those who may have forgotten, if you will, your background, you played at Somerville High School, and you actually played with A.J. Green, which I want to get into in just a second. But you played at Somerville, but we were just talking off air, and I did not know this, you know, in regards to, like, your recruitment, why you chose South Carolina. I want to dive into that. But you grew up a Gamecock fan. So I'll ask you this. 
<clears throat> and you said your father played played ball at South Carolina as well. How much of it was it just a no brainer for you that you were always going to go to USC? That was your dream school. Was there more to it than that? Because again, I know you were a guy that was pretty highly recruited, um, but you grew up bleeding the garnet and black. Just talk about the decision to go to South Carolina. And how much of that the family ties played into it? Oh, I mean, the family ties were huge. I mean, being from South Carolina, it's just it's one or the other. You know, you you make a choice early on, and you know, we had family that that went to Clemson and family that went to South Carolina, but, you know, we grew up, like I said, you know, we were season ticket holders. My dad played ball in the early seventies and um, you know, they had some good years, but um, it was one of those things, you know, I had a handful of offers, but as soon as, you know, we went up to some camps at, at South Carolina and, you know, once Spurrier got there, like I told you, it was, it's a love hate thing to where <laughs> growing up, he would come into Columbia and drop 75 on us yeah. and just, still throwing the ball downfield, just sort of rubbing it's, our It's face. wild the amount of Gamecock fans, not to cut you off, but it's wild the amount of no, Gamecock good. fans that feel the exact same way as you, that, like, hated him at Florida, and then they kind of had to learn, like, all right, we love this guy now. You know? Exactly, and that's the thing. I mean, when you're, when you're good at what you do yeah. – when, when he's on your side, when he's on your side, you love him. That's, yeah. the thing. Yeah. that's the thing. We always want him in our corner, and, and I knew that – um, when we went up there to some camps, I remember me and Aramis went up there and, and did some camps, and he offered me um, – just the just after one of these camps just in person and I knew then that well I knew long before that, that that's where I wanted to to play and he had come to you know practices and sat down at the dinner table with my family and, and done this stuff and uh you know when it comes to the that love hate thing you know from a quarterback standpoint you want to play for you know one of the best and obviously he's unbelievably good at what he's done his record has, has proven that but even from from college to the pros playing himself it was something that you know I admired and I wanted to be involved in so when he offered it was like a a no-brainer I remember my family was was there with me and you know when he offered it was like I went and talked to my family and it was just like I'm going to commit today this is where I want to play this is where I've always wanted to play and you know it was cool from a fan standpoint because I grew up like I said going to games when we were 0 and 11 and still making that trek to Columbia and just just taking the beat downs on the head, you know, and once you're, I mean, you know, it's you're, you're in the state of South Carolina, you're one or the other. So it was like a, a dream for me. And uh, it was a special day for sure. Whenever I committed there. For sure. Now, Reed, going back to, like I said, when you played at Somerville, you played with a guy, AJ Green. We're all pretty familiar with him. Had a pretty solid career at Georgia and obviously in the he's NFL right. and everything. Yeah, he's okay. He's not a bad <laughs> player. Um, but you played with AJ Green in high school. And you got to throw to Alshon Jeffrey in college. I mean, is that like hitting the quarterback lottery? Getting to throw well, to I, I always yeah. say, you know, it, it, it makes <laughs> it makes that job easy. And it, it's one of those things to where um, even in high school, AJ would be, you know, double and triple covered to where if he, if he wasn't open, somebody was, you know. And even if he wasn't open, he was going to catch the ball anyways. <laughs> and uh, I always say my claim to fame was, you know, I remember the first – basically the first game I played in at South Carolina – um, me and Alshon got in it was both we came in together so we got in late in the game and I threw him his first touchdown and to this day I'm like that's my claim to fame he got his <laughs> and I, every time I talked to him I was like hey you better remember who threw your first one you know yeah yeah I, I <laughs> forget that was more, so I, I forget I that was Alshon's first because I, I wanted to get into yeah. that obviously I was actually it's funny man that I don't know if you know this but the 2009 South Carolina South Carolina State game is on YouTube so I was actually watching the highlights oh, earlier it? 
Yeah, it's on there. We'll we'll definitely clip it and 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 repost it and everything else. You know, to go with there ain't, there ain't but. much to clip from my college years, but I, if you can throw that hey, in there, that'd be good. Well, hey, like like you said, man, that's the claim to fame. So I definitely want to make sure we run that. But uh, that's right. Now, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to that more in just a second. Like I said, man, being part of the unique fraternity, and that's something really that your good buddy Stephen Garcia. I think he was the first one I really heard put it that way. Just that it is a unique fraternity, and all the guys. Whether you were a full-time starter, you played some of the time, none of the time, whatever. Yeah. You were a quarterback under Steve Spurrier. Um, that's a special bond that I feel like all you guys share. Just talk about, again, being a quarterback under him, the challenges, some of the things you liked. Um, I, I know, obviously, again, he's tougher on that position than anybody else on the football field. And he really demands perfection from his guys under center. For sure. And I think it, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to understand. But, uh, you know, coming from a Heisman winner, he just knows how to do – things right and um he expects it done a certain way and that's that's harder for some people than for other people and it was one of those things to where like you said whether whether you played or whether you were second third fourth scout team whatever it was it was a, a bond that you know we knew that when we went into that film room and when we we met with him it was not us versus him but he was gonna you know critique us mm -hmm. to a point where we might leave there saying what you know what am i doing here so it was just a bond to where we, we built each other up. We knew that, you know, we were trying to be perfect in, in an imperfect world and, you know, we could only do so much. And um, there was obviously times I think all of us uh, pushed back on it. And that's one of the things I respect about Garcia is, is the point where he just, he didn't really, it didn't really phase him, you know, he just did his own thing. And, and that really bothered Spurrier for sure. But that's, that's a whole different story, but it was definitely a fraternity thing to where, you know, we spent hours every day in the film room and on the field, just just doing our thing and just trying to trying to get it right. And he's very particular. And it's one of those things. Now, when I look back, I think as an 18 year old, it's you know, you want to butt heads with everybody, at, you know, at that age. But, you know, you look back and you're like, you know, he he has a right to to demand that because he's done it. He's done it well. He's obviously won a lot of games. He's won the Heisman. He's you know, played in the league. He's done all these things to where it's like, you better let your ego get out of the way and just listen to what he's telling you because he knows what the hell he's doing. You know, there's no doubt about that. He, did he ever lay into you in the film room or on the practice field, any, anything that stands out? Because, I, I, again, I've heard from not just quarterbacks, receivers, he was hell with the clicker, and uh, he, he would make you feel about that big if you messed up. For sure. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those things It was a lot easier to, to handle in the small group film where it was just us and the quarterbacks you know but we would go into to the whole offense film and you know he's he's very particular there was days where we would come in and think that we had a good scrimmage or had a good practice the day before and by the time we left the film room it was like man we better get back on the grind you know because it's not what he's looking for and that you know that's understandable but I think it's uh I don't have any particular stories but there was probably a hundred instances where it was just like very humbling to, to just bite your tongue and be like yes sir you're right this is the way it needs to be done and 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 there's stories that I could tell and, and I would love to get into it but it's hard to you know you come in at I graduated high school early and came in and uh, I was a baby in a man's world you know I came in and we had I remember in my freshman year the, my redshirt year running the scout team and it was like I wrote this down yesterday just because I knew we were getting together and I was trying to think of, you know, you were talking about the goon squad and the players that you had, but it was like, I remember two particular times, one, one uh, running the scout team and 
looking across at Jasper Brinkley, a middle linebacker, staring at me. And I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a baby at this point. That's, that's you know? a mean son of a bitch to go against. Jeez, he's like a brick wall, you yeah. know. But then you have across the front, you have Cliff Gathers, uh, Melvin Ingram, Travian Robertson, Eric Norwood, the Brinkley brothers. You got Captain Munnerlin in the corner. You got mm-hmm. Stefan, who had just he came in with us, but was an old soul already and was ready to step in and play. You know, you got E Cook, uh, Chris Culliver, these players to where it's just like I remember running the scout team and looking across and being like. What am I? What am I doing here? You know, and then another instance was running inside drill where it's all inside the tackle. You know, just hammering. And I've never heard so much shit talk in my life. And um, just you know, I just remember being like, "Please don't call a quarterback draw. Please don't call a quarterback <laughs> draw." And you look at these guys, and I never heard noise like that. Like when you're running inside drill and they start hammering down there in the front lines, it was like gunshots going off, and I was just like it was a humbling thing to where it's just like, you know, you better find your place and, and figure out how to navigate it. Cause I, I just remember looking across and being like, this might be the best defense we see all year. And you know, we, it, it was, you know, we had some studs across the line that, that year for sure. And the years to come. So it was, it's humbling though, you know? Yeah. I, I think what's so interesting to read about your time there is just the, sort of the the state of the quarterback position the really the two years you were there because obviously 07 was Blake Mitchell's last year and I mean really that didn't even matter I mean you saw the shuffling with Chris Smelly and then Steven Garcia comes in and there was a lot of yeah Tommy Beach there was just a lot of uncertainty around the quarterback position and certainly again playing quarterback under Steve Spurrier is hard enough but I mean I've had the conversation with Garcia and with Smelly both I mean, I'll never forget, man, just being there as a fan, obviously, 2008, the 2008 Arkansas game, where Garcia and Smelly switched out every, every. single play. And so I'm and like, we, it, it was such uncertainty with that position, you know, for, for the longest time before Garcia obviously got his footing down. And then obviously yeah. Connor Shaw took over and you had a lot of stability there. But there was a, sure. a, a very much a lack of stability when you were there. And again, I just, I can't imagine like showing up every week being like, well, I guess we'll see who plays quarterback this week. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, or who this knows? Play or who knows? Next play, you know? Right, right, right. And that was the thing. I remember we, we talked about it in length. <laughs> and it, it's a quarterback's an interesting position where, you know, it's almost like you need to take a hit, get, right. you know, get see some rhythm, need some rhythm. Bit, get yeah. in the feel of it. And, and then you sort of find your group to where, you know, I, I remember so many times early on where it was either smelly and Beecher or, you know, Garcia getting some playing time to where it was just like, I just felt bad for him, you know, because there's there's no way to get into a group. And, and you're talking, switching out plays. You're not talking about these these small schools. You're talking about switching out every play with, you know, the big time hitters in the country, you know, to where it was just, it's hard to, to get in a groove. And I always had, it, it's just hard to, to look at that and, and try to, to make sense of it. I know that Obviously, that's, it, that goes along with Spurrier's sort of thing. Is like he, you know, he wants per- perfection. And he he expects that to where um, if you're not getting the job done, he's going to put the next guy in there. You know, to where in some degree, if you're down the ranks, that's a it's an exciting thing. But at the same time, it's like you know, I want to be and all the guys felt this way. They wanted to be put in there, trusted. Let me get in the groove. Let me start making plays. You know, I'm not going to save the game in one play, you know, to where these guys and, – and I think quarterbacks is, is one of the interesting positions where you, you need that. You know, you can step in at other positions and, and be ready to go, but it's hard to get into the feel of the game 
without without running a few plays, you know, without taking a hit and just going through a few series and just understanding what you're looking at across the board, you know? Yeah, and then if you're scared to make a mistake, you're obviously more likely to make a mistake. It's just yeah, like, if I, sure. throw one, if I throw one pick, I'm going. So, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, not easy. And then you got, the, that's the thing. And then you got the fans breathing down your neck because, you know, the backup quarterback's the most popular guy on campus. Exactly. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't a bad place to be for a little while. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Sure. Everybody touting. They wanted Reed McCullough in there. I mean, why not? Well, that's the thing. I mean, they want the next guy up, yeah. you know, no matter what it is. And that's just yeah. comes to the territory, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and it, it's one of those things, like I told you, that's what I, <laughs> one of the things I liked about Garcia is that he just, none of that stuff phased him, you know, he was who he was and he was going to be who he was regardless. So it's just, uh, it's a, you got to be thick skin. There's no question about it. For sure. Now Reed, let's jump to 2009. Again, like I mentioned, you got into that South on a state game and you threw your, your lone touchdown pass of your career, but you know, either way, man, you, you can say you did something that not many people get to do, and that's play quarterback at South Carolina and throw a touchdown pass. And like you said, it was Dalshawn Jeffrey, which I, I watched the video, and I think it was like a three-step drop, just kind of one of those one of those plays we, we grew accustomed to was just to drop and throw it up to Alshon and just yep. let him go get it. But I'll give you the floor, my man. Just uh, can you recall, like, the play call, what your, your, your thoughts were? Because obviously that wasn't, like, the first play you were in. You led that drive down the field. I actually saw, by the way, Funny side note, because I was looking for that because I saw which game you throw the touchdowns. I was like, let me pull this up. There was a 15-yard penalty call because you got your shit rocked by one of the South Carolina <laughs> State guys. Like, God just – I mean, literally targeting today, obviously, but launched yeah. into your face, and you're for able sure. to shake it off and bounce back and and throw the touchdown anyway. So. Yeah, so I, I do remember that vividly. It's like uh, – um, it, it's like we were just talking about. It was one of those things where – you know, I wasn't really expecting to, to get in and play that game. And then, you know, when it obviously when it happened, it's one of those things where you want to get in a groove and sort of, you know, feel the game. You know, it's hard to just step in and start slinging it, especially if you've been staying on the sideline for a couple hours, you know. Right. So it was uh, – it hurt. There's no question about it. But it was one of those things that I needed where, you know – Woke you up a little bit. Yeah, and he, he rocked me, and he was in my face talking junk, and it was just yeah. like uh, – I think I chirped back a little bit. But I remember uh, – just sort of moving it down the field and then getting that five semi, which is just knowing that the guys are going down the, from a play call standpoint, knowing that they're going down the, you know, to the corner of the end zone. And I, I was laughing about this the other day before, even when Alston was that young, we all knew that he was going to be what he was going to be to where uh, I remember before that play, everybody getting lined up and Spurrier's yelling, Alshon, 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 like yelling it at me, you know, to where it was just like, you know, I'm going to make the read and throw it where it's supposed to go, but he's just barking at me to, to give him a shot to where it was just like, and it was, it's very similar to, to AJ. It's like, you know, that size and that length, once you, if you just get in the right spot, they're going to go up and make a play. And that's just how it worked out. But I think getting rocked on that sideline was, uh, and I'd forgotten about that until you brought it up, but that was, uh, I think it was important because it sort of settled me down. And then it was like, all right, I'm not going to get, hit any harder than that on this drive so let's just see what we can do here you know yeah like I said the guy launched into your face but sure enough like you said it settled you down and you made a beautiful throw and and got the touchdown again I'm sure that's something I mean you look back that's really stands out in your career I mean it had to be a cool moment like I said connecting with Alshon for that touchdown pass for sure and I remember after they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago I reached out to him. I was like, hey, you better not forget who threw that first one you know (laughs) yeah and I think I've I've said the same to AJ plenty of time we still stay in contact and i've said the same to him 
plenty of times over the years. So it's just, you know, like I said, I've been lucky enough to play over the years with some really good players. So it, it's, it, it takes the pressure off you when you know that, you know, they're going to be sending an extra guy over there. It just makes it feel a little more open, you know? Yeah, the throw that started it all, my friend. That, that 2009 <laughs> season, again, Reed, obviously you, you came in a really interesting time for South kind of football as a whole because I think we could all kind of get a glimpse at what Steve Spurrier was building but was just kind of trying to get over the hump. Um, but that 2009 season, I mean, I, I think we all look back to the old Miss game, which I actually posted a highlight from that a couple of days ago, just reliving some of the glory days, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, the, Is that the, the Thursday night? The Thursday, yeah, the, night th- the Thursday night Bertha Sandstorm game. Then, of yeah. course, I, I think of like the 2009 Clemson game. And then certainly the 2010 Bama, that was the signature win that I think yeah. really got it going. But, you know, just being on campus during that, you know, being a Gamecocks football player, could you sort of sense that things were turning towards what we eventually saw 10, 11, 12, and 13? No question. I think it's uh, – and I remember vividly that uh, – that old Miss game, I had the swine flu, so I was laying on the couch. Dude, home. I did too. I did too. I would, <laughs> here's the funny thing: I going the, around that year, I man. had this. Yeah, I had the swine flu, but I was there. I, I, I yeah. don't know if that's bad. I'm saying that, but like I had gotten it like four or five days beforehand, and I, I was coming, you know, just like kind of getting over it. But I remember yeah. I was so tired, so exhausted from being sick. But I was up in the upper deck. I was like, I'm going to this game. Yeah, so. for sure. And they sent me uh, – they didn't want me to get everybody else sick. So, I was – I remember laying on the couch watching it. And uh, just during the ESPN broadcast, I guess at, at one point Garcia had taken a hit or rolled his ankle, and they were like, you know, the backup's not available right. And I was like, the, the one time that I'm going to get in and, and play on a Thursday night on ESPN, yeah. you know, just laid up oh. on the couch, you know. But it, that, that was the start of it. And I think we all saw it coming. And – it was just sort of a, a building thing to where, you know, we, we started getting these players into where it was just, just studs all, all across the board. And it, it was cool to see, you know, growing up, you see it in every other, all these big time schools in the SEC where they're bringing in these, these players over and over again. But it was cool to be a part of it where, you know, when we signed somebody big, it was like, you know, we're, we're taking the next step, you know, to where, um, you know, we had studs, especially on the defensive side, all across all across the board. You know, you were talking about the Goon Squad the other day, and Swearinger's a good buddy of mine, and he's uh, sort of the, the leader of that pack. But it, it started when we got – we all came in together to where we saw it done the right way. Um, and then it just grew from there. And then it's, just, it's the same thing everywhere you go. Once you get that ball rolling, people want to be a part of it, you know, to where it uh, – you know, within the next couple of years, we were – we were bringing in some big time players. So it, it was a fun time to be, to be a Gamecock for sure. Now, Reed, of course, you mentioned your former teammate, Steven Garcia. I, I'll give you the floor yet again, man, to talk about him. Obviously, a legend. <laughs> I, I know that we had talked a little bit off air via DM about I, everybody, yep. everybody's got a, a Steven Garcia story. I, I don't know if no, you ever uh, saw this. I had a, uh, Mike Davis in studio, the OG Mike Davis. I, you got yeah, to clarify the OG Mike they were Davis. They were right, roommates. right. Well, so that was very interesting because he he had some very interesting <laughs> tidbits to share, and I'm sure it was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, he literally told me he's like, "Yeah, Chris, at one point, I had to look Stephen in the face and be like, you understand, you are the starting quarterback at the University of South Carolina. Like, there, there's there's certain things you can't do. Like, yeah. So, sure. um, no, nah, I mean, just obviously, again, I, Stephen's charisma and the way he played the game, like you mentioned, sort of his you know, ha- having a hard head, if you will, in the way he butted heads with Steve Spurs. I mean, that's really what made him the legend status that we all know today. I mean, I really think that goes into it. But just your experience overall playing with him and being his teammate. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, it's funny because I was telling you the other day that I, I basically had to reach out to him and be like, hey, I got a, a funny story. You remember this? Because I would love to share it. He was, you know, he doesn't have a care in the world. I knew no, he, he would. No, yeah. he would I, mean, dude, totally I don't know if you saw this. Tommy Beecher literally shared the King, the car story. And oh, yeah. Gar, Gar was even, just like, he's like, oh, I thought that was hilarious. Carson. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we gave him so much, so much help for that. And so many people did. And, you know, understandably so. Took it like a champ. But, Just took it like yeah, a champ. That's right. And that's, that's, that's one of the things I think to some degree to play on a high level um, quarterback in any of these big time leagues, you have to have that thick skin. But he's, uh, and even playing for, for Spurrier, you have to have that thick skin because he's, you know, he's going to tell you how he feels. He's going to tell you what he thinks. He's going to tell you what you did wrong. And either you're going to try to be better or you're just going to crumble. And Steven never let it get to, to him personally. He just – he's his own dude. And, and that's one of the things I respect about him most. He's a, he's a very close friend of mine, and it's been cool to, to keep in touch over the years. And um, like I said, I reached out the other day to, to ask him if I could tell the story. But I have a story from uh, – I think it was 2009 year we were in camp um, just getting started in the spring and we were, we had, I mean, we were locked and loaded, you know, we had players all over the board and we were having a, a crazy spring and, and getting after it. And I remember one night going to a party and I don't know if it's even still there, the retreat out, out on yeah. Bluff Road That's out that there. way yeah. mm. and, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and the cops showing up and, uh, Again, he's okay with me telling the story because it's just like this classic. And I just remember the other day, but the cops showing up and us, you know, obviously trying to slide out the, the side door and, and we, we parted ways at some point, I guess he had to jump a few fences. So I see him in the, in the next morning and uh, jumping the fence, he had rolled his ankle bad. Like he could barely walk, you know? So he had these high top shoes on trying to hide it. And we, you know, we roll into the stadium and uh, we got practice it we have film at eight and, you know, just stuff all day to where we roll in. And obviously the coaches are like, you know, what's, what's going on with your ankle? What happened? You know? And he's like, Oh, I, I rolled it yesterday in the scrimmage. It was the day after one of our big scrimmages. Mm. And they were like, I remember Springer being like, I don't, I don't remember that. So we had the whole offense in the film room and he's going play by play oh to God. try to figure out <laughs> oh, no. where he, and he knew, I mean, he obviously knew that he was, full of it you know but going play by play and it's one of those things if you play um quarterback you can and even the coaches if you were to say oh it happened on this a certain play in the second quarter and you and you say the name of the play they know that okay we ran that three times so let's go look at those three plays you know so we go through the basically the whole scrimmage and <laughs> and he's like Spurrier's like slow motioning the film like <laughs> looking at his feet and I mean, there's probably 30 of us in the room that were like, we knew that right. he had, he was full of it, you know, to where it was just sort of left unsaid, but you know, it was just one of those things where it was just like, you know, Spurrier knew he was full of it. and was just like, I, you know, I basically caught you in your, your lie. We rolled through the film and I mean, we're on like a, you know, a 10 foot projector to where he's zooming in on, on Garcia's ankles and it's just not, <laughs> <laughs> the and eye, the, the eye in the sky started. don't lie. The yeah, eye right. in the sky don't lie. <laughs> and you don't, you know, you know, you'll normally think to uh, to use the eye in the sky don't lie for something yeah. like that, but it, yeah. it applies to all things God. for sure. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, that is that is so funny. But it's just one of those things. Like I said, I think uh, when I came in, 
Um, I was a, a baby in a man's world. It was very, I mean, I was not ready for what I stepped into. And just to, I think I've always been a people pleaser to where I, I you know, I've always had a, a lot of people in my corner and wanted to, to make everybody happy. But when you step on a stage that big, there's, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And it, I always admired how Garcia was just like, you know, it, it didn't bother him. And it, it's almost what it takes to, to play in a, a league like that. You know, you just got to brush it off and keep going. Yeah, for sure. It, it's yeah, that, that, that is a classic story. I've never heard that. That is, that is incredible. <laughs> like I said, I had to reach out and, and yeah. make sure that I could tell. Like that you said, he so. don't, he don't give a damn. I mean, no, it, is, it is what it is. It just, it just adds to the legend. You know, it's funny. I, I told him this, that last season I saw a guy rocking. I mean, got people are still out there rocking five jerseys. You know, what oh, I mean? yeah. still rocking their old five jerseys. And sure. I, I'm sure you get a kick out of it. You see all the 14 jerseys around. That's me. Like that. that yeah. Thank you for well, rocking my jersey. That's that's hey, me. The yeah. funny thing is, whenever whenever I was playing, uh, Ryan Suckup was our obviously a stud. Oh yeah, ticker. yeah. And he he honestly rocked the fourteen to yeah. where I would I would just talk shit to him and be like, you know they're rocking my jersey and not yours. I love that. When love they were that. clearly wearing his jersey, you know he right. was obviously one of the best <laughs> to do it and still is. You know yeah. he's he's a, yeah, a there's pros, a reason pros, there's so. a reason he's still getting paid to kick i guess huh? exactly yeah. you know he's he's a good fella too he's a good friend so it's yeah. uh but i remember multiple times giving him hell being like is that is that mine or yours yeah. it's like i think that's mine i'm like i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i i still see people rocking the five jersey and there was a guy at our tailgate last year and i was like yeah you know i, I like the jersey and it's funny because i reached out to garcia because as the years go on, the stories get crazier and crazier and crazier. Like literally this kid was trying to tell me like, yeah, man, I heard that Garcia was doing blow on the sidelines. And I'm just like, dude, I, I told him, I was like, bro, 10 years from now, they're going to be saying like you were doing meth before games. Oh, I mean, it's going it, it to grow. It gets, it, you know, the fish keeps getting bigger. You know what That's I mean? Right. Like everything. And none of that, none of that stuff is true, but no, 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 he did, he did like to have a good time. And we, yeah. You know, we shared many cocktails together, but it's just uh, that that comes with the territory. But it, it's just I think it was cool because, you know, he rolled into town, had the long hair, just yeah. had the I don't give a shit vibe going. <laughs> and, and I think the coolest part really was that um, Spurrier wanted everything done a certain way. And he was, you know, at that point, it was like he was our best option, you know, to where. Spurrier had to get over it and it was painful painful for him to for Spurrier to just to work through that you know because he's very particular and and you've seen we've all seen how he plays you know he just does what comes to him and he and and that's what's special about him he makes it all work and it's just been it's it was uh and, and it's probably the first the first real quarterback that was mobile enough to you know he's and that's one of the reasons I wanted to go there because I'm not in any way yeah. mobile it was more of drop back and throw it and I could I can throw it you know but Garcia could do all of it which yeah. you know you get to the level in that league to where you better be able to do both or you're gonna you're gonna pay the price you know yeah. so he made it look pretty easy but I think it was very hard on on Spurrier to sort of to work through that and just let him let him be you know <laughs> For sure. Now, now, Reed, before I get you out of here, obviously, I, I do want to get your take on you were there when Shane Beamer was there working with special teams and uh, and everything else and recruiting, obviously. But of course, he is the head coach now, South Carolina football. Yep. I'd love to hear your thoughts. on. did you have any interactions with Shane Beamer during your time in Columbia? If so, what were those like? And 
you know, when you heard he got the job and obviously what they did last year and just the future of South Carolina football, uh, your overall feelings on Carolina football at this point? For sure. I think it's in a great spot. So whenever I was um, in high school, he was a recruiting coordinator. So he recruited me directly. So he, okay. he spent a lot of time with me and my family and down in Somerville. And um, he's, I think he's going to do really good things there. And I've, I've talked to him since he's been up there and it's been just excitement, you know, from the day he started recruiting me, it, you know, all these big time recruiters, they tell you what you want to hear. They, you know, they build you up and make you feel like you're, you know, the best of the best, but he was one that, uh, he just felt more like a friend. And I think that he connects with these recruits on a different level than a lot of people. And he's very much a, um, a people person to where with these young guys, he, you know, I have no doubt that he's going to do great things. And you've already seen it's a difference between people want to play for that guy. You know, they want to go out and win for him. And I think he's going to do good stuff, but I, I have, you know, many experiences where, um, just throughout the recruiting process to where there was, there was moments where, you know, he might say something or remember something from a family standpoint where I was just like, you know, you got so much shit going on. How can you even keep track of all this stuff, you know, to where he would leave my house, go get on a plane and go somewhere else, you know, but he recruited that area to where, um, you know, he's one of the main reasons that I wanted to be up there. And even when, once I got up there, um, obviously he was, special teams coordinator and and obviously so his his family is obviously good at the beamer ball and what they do you know but um even through all that um he would take time to to touch base with me and the people that he recruited along the way and just make sure we were doing okay and enjoying what we were doing so I have nothing but good things to say about him and I think anybody like you you say Jimmy Legree uh Stefan all these people that were in state that came with our, you know, 2008, 2009 recruiting class, he was recruiting that area. And, you know, you can ask any of them. I remember seeing something from Jimmy Legree a couple of weeks ago to where he's like, you know, I got nothing but good things to say. And even um, it's just, uh, it's interesting because a lot of these guys, you know, now looking back, you can sort of weed through them and see who's real and, and who's not as far as, um the relationships they build with you and your family and, and that stuff. But it, it always seemed that he really cared about it. And I think that uh, for a lot of guys that made all the difference. So I think he's going to do great things. We're, we're super excited for him. And I think from a recruiting standpoint, he's going to go out and get them. And you can already see that, you know, and it's one of those things I think we've had the last couple of years, we've got players out on the edge. We just need somebody to get them the ball. And um, it's going to be interesting this year to see how it all plays out. But I got nothing but good things to say about him. Spencer Rattler, man. It's Rattler season this it's fall. It's going to be Beamer, fun, man. Beamer, Beamer be fun. Rattler 22. Beamer I know. Rattler 22. Dude. Let's it's get after fun, it. It's going to be fun, man. I'm excited for it. For sure. Well, you know, I, I know we're all looking forward to kickoff as well. Reed, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Sincerely, this was a yeah, blast. Man. Let's definitely do it again soon as we get closer to kickoff. But uh, again, for I know sure. I speak I got for some all more stories up my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I speak for all Gamecocks, man, when I say it was a pleasure to watch you. And obviously, I mean, again, I, I tell people this all the time, whether you were the everyday starter or never played if you wore the garnet and black man I, I it's it's a blast to chat with you and have you on the show and so again it was I really do appreciate you I, I'll tell you this man I, I remember being a fan and seeing like you and Cade Thompson and Aramis in the spring game so yeah. if, if nothing hey, I, else I, I remember that I remember that yeah. very vividly and I, I appreciate you man you're doing some cool stuff it's cool to see like I said I'm a lifelong Gamecock so it's cool to see somebody that you know win or lose this is your team so it's it's refreshing to see somebody that's 
sticking through the hard times. So we appreciate what you do, man. I was going to say, hopefully a lot more winning down the road. That's right. Man. That's Beamer. Beamer's the man. Beamer's our guy. Reed, right. appreciate you taking the time. And like I said, let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon, buddy. Appreciate you. Absolutely. He's Reed McCollum. I'm Chris Fultz. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.